This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello, welcome to the FS Tech Podcast. I'm Alex Leonards, Senior Reporter at FS Tech. Over the past 18 months, the UK financial industry has been forced to react quickly to a rapidly changing fraud landscape. As the nature of fraud activity shifts, banks and other financial institutions are facing a myriad of new risks, threats and challenges. Meanwhile, the coronavirus pandemic has had a huge impact on people's lives, forcing the sector to deal with increasingly difficult consumer circumstances. Financial services providers have had to approach these unprecedented scenarios with a level of sensitivity and compassion. Many are looking to security strategies that streamline the authentication process to ensure customer interactions are as stress-free and simple as possible. To explore some of these challenges and opportunities, we're joined by Ian McGuire, Security and Biometrics Specialist at Nuance. Hi, Ian. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Hi, Alex. I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very good, thank you. And um, I just wanted to start by saying a big congratulations for your win at the FS Tech Awards this year. Thank you very much. It was, yeah, it was lovely to receive that. It was a great event, great evening. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Brilliant. Okay, so let's get started. How can banks and other financial services institutions use their authentication and security strategy to bolster consumer interactions? Yeah, well, I think um, the key point to make straight off the bat is that um, no one calls their bank to experience their authentication and security strategy. You know, that's nobody's idea of fun. So customers call their bank because they want to fulfill a very specific objective. So that might be paying a bill or getting a balance, but no one calls just to experience the security or ID and V strategy. So with that in mind, you should view the authentication and the security process as a necessary evil. Now it's an absolutely essential process. It's something that needs to be done to enable the customer to achieve their interaction. But it's the interaction that's the important bit. Therefore, Organizations need to be looking at making that necessary evil as unobtrusive and as easy as possible. And if they can achieve that and let the customer focus on the reason for call with their true intention, then they'll see a huge customer experience benefit. Now, obviously, if that unobtrusive security can be applied within the automation before the customer gets to an agent, call center agent, then it increases the number of customers who can be fully self-served within the automation, reducing the agent handling costs. So I guess the point of that is that it's not just about a better customer experience, which it definitely does deliver, but there's a very, very sound financial business case behind doing that as well. Definitely. Well, it's certainly very interesting to see how FSIs can kind of tap into that duality or or some of the multifaceted benefits of authentication, moving beyond the security advantages and into that customer experience. But while a simple and speedy authentication process is important to customers to guarantee trust in financial platforms, a level of friction is still necessary. So how easy is it for banks to create balance between the two? This is a massively important point, and it's one that um, I attend lots of conferences about biometrics and so on, and there'll be biometrics evangelists, and I guess I'd probably be considered one of those, but a lot of the evangelists can completely lose sight of that necessary level of friction. When you're thinking about security, you need to be aware there are two key aspects to it. There's the reality of the security, so how good it is at providing that level of security. But there's also the perception of security. And it is possible to have an exceptionally secure solution or service. If the customer doesn't perceive it to be secure, 
then their confidence and their trust in the bank will be eroded and damaged irretrievably possibly. So it's essential that you actually build on that perception of security and to achieve that, a small but appropriate level of friction may be needed to reinforce that perception of security. Interestingly, when we um, deployed the solution for First Direct way back in September 2016, I think it was, this was something that we were really very, very aware of. The inclusion of the new solution meant that the customer journey to authenticate the customer could be achieved just by them saying their postcode and their surname. And we were very concerned that some customers might believe that we removed security to completely. So to combat that, we made sure that we had the agent say the phrase, thanks, you've been verified by voice ID before progressing. And just stating that and the friction of being having to listen to that couple of second message was enough to reassure customers that security had been performed. Now, as time progressed and customers became more and more used to the process, they were able to phase out that messaging. But I think it was really important that we had it in there to begin with. I mean, my desire is to have customers traverse the security process where they come out the other side of it feeling slightly smug. You know, I want them to be thinking, yeah, that was easy for me, but everyone else is going to struggle. So just enough friction to reassure, but not enough friction to frustrate the customer. Brilliant. And yeah, I think, again, we're faced with the reality that the customer has to come first and it needs to work for them. That's also definitely been challenging over the past 18 months or so where people have been impacted by the pandemic. But how is the way consumers interact with their banks changing and how this impact the fraud landscape? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. And for fear of being blatantly obvious, <laughs> it's clear that more and more customers are interacting with their banks over digital channels. Uh, most notably via mobile app. I mean, if you think the, the iPhone 3GS, I think was the first mass market device with an app store, and that's only been around, what, 11 years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's massively taken off. There are still some customers, obviously, who continue to use the telephone and calling the contact center as their primary contact mechanism. But for a large number of users, it's increasingly being the mobile app as their first choice. However, even they will still use the telephone when they have issues. Mm. Now, those issues might be the functionality can't be delivered in the digital channel, so the mobile app can't do what they need to do. Uh, So they need to phone up and resolve it that way. But also, there's a psychological element at play sometimes, especially with high-value transactions, where customers like the reassurance of getting the information from another human. So if you imagine you were doing something regarding your mortgage, so you're looking at hundreds of thousands of pounds, just that extra reassurance that you are doing the right thing and hearing that from another human being can be vitally important. So the telephone is going to be, I think, increasingly used by those people that need problem resolution or escalation or the reassurance of a human contact. And customers find that therapeutic and helpful to be able to talk with another human. And if they're complaining, they want to offload their problem to another human. They want to get it off their chests, if you like. So the telephone channel will increasingly play that sort of role. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's going to be there for the foreseeable future. I don't see that disappearing. And you want to improve that experience when they do get to the telephone channel. You know, if they are raising an issue, a complaint or whatever, you don't want to put them through a security interrogation that's just going to wind them up even more. Now, from a fraud perspective, because the telephone channel is increasingly being used as an escalation channel, the fraudsters know that agents are possibly going to be more 
compliant with customers. Um, so agents know that customers with complaints and grievances are going to be frustrated and annoyed, so they'll maybe handle them more sensitively. And fraudsters will often present as customers with problems so that they can receive that more lenient treatment. And in effect, they're defeating security with social engineering attack. So a common tactic is for a fraudster to maybe phone up and complain that they've been locked out of their mobile or online banking and they request the password to be reset. So what they're actually doing is using the telephone channel to unlock the digital channels where they're going to do the cashing out attacks. So a stronger and more unobtrusive security mechanism such as voice biometrics to protect the agent interaction is absolutely vital. And interestingly, when we speak to agents, they really like that level of reassurance that they get, that the technology is looking after them and covering their back. So we've got happy customer, happy agent, and defeated fraudsters. You know, that's the ideal aim from all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's definitely crucial that this reliance on telephone calls, that FSIs are also thinking about the impact on their security strategy. And how has the nature of fraud changed over the past 18 months? And how in turn has this impacted customers, fraudsters and the strategies of financial services organisations? Yeah, so I mean, the pandemic has impacted everybody in massive ways. Social distancing and absenteeism caused by COVID at the start of the pandemic had a huge impact on contact centres. Most notably, it caused huge queuing times to get through to an agent. Branches were closed and people were phoning up more regularly to try and contact their bank at time of financial uncertainty, and it just exacerbated the problem. One example of an organisation thinking really outside of the box in terms of helping customers was actually a telephone company. So not a bank in this particular example, but it's certainly a lesson that could be learned by all organisations. Telefonica in Spain, they wanted to ensure that the elderly could get mobile service, enabling them to keep in touch with their support system, you know, friends, family, etc., and prevent them feeling isolated. So they modified their IVR at the start of their customer journey to say, if you are over 70 plus one or words to that effect, and then they would be routed to the front of the queue. Now, human nature being what it is, once it became known that that was a way of skipping the queue, it became abused by those who were under 70. And to combat that, they used age detection, which is a feature of voice biometrics, to identify those elderly customers based purely on the sound of their voice. And then they promoted them to the front of the queue. So that was a great success, a fantastic uh, good news story. Now, with regard to the fraud landscape changing, you've got to remember that fraudsters would be phoning up contact centers in the exact same way that customers were. So not only was getting connected to an agent a problem for customers, it also meant fraudsters couldn't get through to the bank. And perversely, this meant that the attack rate from fraudsters directly attacking the bank went down because they just couldn't get through. Now, obviously, fraudsters aren't covered by the furlough scheme, although I'm sure some fraudulently <laughs> exploited it, but they, they switched their tactics to attacking the customers directly. Fraud thrives on confusion, and they were able to exploit the chaos surrounding the pandemic to scam customers directly. So there were lots of high-profile media stories of people paying to have their driveways disinfected, and it turned out it was just with water, even though the whole process wasn't actually needed, or they were paying for fake tests and fake vaccines, etc. Now, while fraudsters are scamming the customers in that fashion, they're also gathering data about those victims, names, addresses, card details taken as payment, and a whole load of other stuff. And we knew that fraudsters were harvesting data 
And that would mean that once call center capacity returned to normal, they would resume attacking. And the observations from all of our solutions with the big banks in the UK is that that's exactly what's happened. And we're now detecting and therefore preventing as many, if not slightly more attacks than we were seeing before the pandemic. And it, I mean, to maybe back up the fact that these technologies really help out. NatWest were in the process of developing their voice biometric solution as the pandemic started back in March last year. And despite all the disruption, knowing that it would not only help deter fraud, which it did, but also improve the contact center efficiency, particularly in light of all the disruption, they pushed ahead with that deployment and that has really reaped uh, the benefits. Brilliant. Yeah, I think there's, of course, been some big changes over the past year and a half. And uh, of course, UK finance has recently reported a 30% increase in fraud losses and during the first half of the year and also authorised push payments are now taking over payment card fraud and and things like that. So definitely um, a new fraud landscape at the moment. And now for my final question. With fraud on the rise, how important is it for financial services institutions to think outside the box? For example, by looking to next generation technologies like deep neural networks. <laughs> um, I always giggle a wee bit and it makes me smile when people talk about neural networks as next generation technology. For my degree, my final year thesis was actually on neural networks and uh, that was 32 years ago. So <laughs> I, I revealed uh. just how old I am by that statement. But uh, Yeah, certainly within Nuance, deep neural networks have been used in our speech recognition and in our voice biometric engines for many, many years. So they don't necessarily feel that new to us, but you're absolutely right. The advances in the computing power and the understanding of the algorithms applied in the neural networks have allowed us to achieve levels of performance that seemed a pipe dream even just five years ago. These performance improvements allowed us to make big steps forward in terms of deterring fraudsters. A really good example of that is uh, clustering. Now, in 2017, when we started using clustering as a fraud detection technique for um, one of the big UK banks, clustering means taking all of the calls and comparing them with each other. And what we're doing is we're looking for groups, clusters, of calls being made by the same voice. So we're basically looking to see if a single voice is making multiple calls, attacking lots of different accounts. And that would be suspicious activity and typical behavior of fraud. Now, computationally, that's a a huge task because you're doing comparing every call with every other call. And when we started doing this in 2017, we could only perform clustering on maybe a few thousand calls at a time. Now, we're able to cluster in excess of 100,000 calls at a time, which means we can run this process over, for example, a whole day's worth of calls into a bank. And that makes us much more efficient at spotting the fraudsters. And those um, those improvements have also given us, um, you know, it's not just computational improvements, we've also achieved accuracy improvements with those advances in the networks. The improvement in our algorithms over the last three years was, I think we've reduced the uh, error rate by 77%. And statistics can often be confusing for people to try and put that into real sort of terms. If the probability of not matching a customer was 2% in 2018, that's now down to 0.65% in 2021. The other interesting fact is that we're doing that with much less audio than we needed before. So we might have had to listen for up to 15 seconds before. We're now able to start getting results with as little as half a second of audio. 
So this means that we are able to satisfy the customer identification and allow the agents to get on to solving their problem much, much faster with less intrusion into their activity. Now, what this means for banks is how can they keep up to date with all of these advances? You know, if we keep releasing new algorithms, the rolling those out to customers can be a bit of a, an IT logistical nightmare for them. So what we're seeing is that more and more organizations are wanting to move to cloud and solution as a service. And in those situations, they're able to uh, make use of an evergreen environment. And that's obviously hugely attractive because they're continually getting the benefit of those updates. The other really interesting aspect to moving to the cloud for me is that it facilitates the sharing of fraud data between the different banks. So they can start to attack the fraudsters as a collective rather than as individual banks. So they can share their information, share the bad voices that they have on record and uh, collectively uh, thwart the fraudsters more efficiently. But uh, I mean, when we start talking about cloud computing and data sharing, that's probably a topic for another podcast in its own, <laughs> its own right. And uh, you've probably heard enough of my voice by now. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of clever stuff happening and it's interesting to hear about some of those new techniques. But yeah, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. But it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. If our readers want to find out more about Nuance, where can we send them? Well, if they head to nuance.com, and if they have a look at the enterprise pages that are available from there and uh, just do a search on there for security and biometrics, then they'll find all they need and more, I'm sure. Brilliant. Well, thanks again for joining us, Ian, and also to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech Podcast.